I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Which we know Brian will insert later. We love you, Brian. Thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. (laughs) Guys, it is a doozy of a day. Because there is so much to discuss. We are talking about the 2019 folk horror film, Midsummer. You know, I'm very, very glad you're coming. I, I think it's very good you're coming. Thank you. Also, I, uh, I never had the chance to tell you, mm. but I was... I was so very sorry to hear about your loss. Oh. What happened, I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, I lost my parents too, so I kind of have some idea. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I'm gonna just go to the bathroom, thank you. If you know, you know, guys, there's so much to discuss, so I want to get right into it because obviously I have a million questions for Jamie, and this is basically <laughs> going to be Jamie going on a, a super tangent while Brian and I just sit with smiles on our faces. Yeah. Oh, boy. Great. Smiles or tears or tears turning into smiles? Or like it ends up being a therapy session for me, too, so it's like all great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's all going to be wrapped up into one thing. <laughs> yeah, we're just recording Nikisha's therapy session today. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. I mean, we talked about it, or at least I mentioned it on the Valentine's Day uh, horror movie TikTok, and this was on the list of horrors about dating, so I'm Mm -hmm. so excited to get into this and hear both of you guys' thoughts on all of this. Uh, So... Midsummer was written and directed by a one Ari Aster, of course, and this movie stars Florence Pugh, Jack Rayner, uh, William Jackson Harper, or Chidi, as we uh, love to call him because <laughs> The Good Place is fantastic. Wilhelm Blum- Blumgren, wow, uh, pulling a Brian. I practiced it because I listened to him say his own name, and it's still oh. just hard to say that name. I'm sorry. I think it's on the great. Great. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> lastly, a one uh, Will uh, Poulter. So, which is also the guy from Bendersnatch. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Grant. Do you remember that? Yes. That was a whole oh, like, yeah. cultural what is that? moment. That was the what Choose Your that? Own Adventure Black Mirror episode. On Netflix. Oh. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was like, click this and then this choice happens. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. But it was like was such fun. a big deal. I do more of a thing with it, and I guess they really didn't. <laughs> I guess I said this was too much. <laughs> we can only too do much one choice. of these. <laughs> yeah. Too many choices. We're taking the choices away. <laughs> <laughs> right. You get what you get. <laughs> We're taking mm-hmm. the choices away. Uh, so obviously heavy spoilers for Midsummer. And Jamie, please tell us all about those trigger warnings because there are so many. 
Yeah. I mean, this is like, uh, there's a lot of, there's so much unpleasant things <laughs> that I like forgot about. I was like, oh, that's my brain's defense mechanism because I forgot that all these terrible things happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was beautifully so sung, by where, the way. Oh. Just have to say that. <laughs> Where do I start? All right. So, okay. Heavy trigger warning. Um, there is murder-suicide that takes place right in the beginning of this film. There, You, you see the images of it. Um, it's awful. It's carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, there is a lot of insides of animals and people on the outsides. Uh, a lot of other, like, suicides that take place. Um, there is, uh, a lot of drug usage. There is assault and references to assault. Um, but yeah, just mostly insides on the outside and very unpleasant, disturbing ways. Um, oh God, I'm just thinking about the weird lungs that are breathing. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is nudity, um, of, of all genders. Um, all bits and bops are available. Um, Bits and bops. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so nudity warning for you. Um, and I mean, this is a movie that centers around grief. So like just emotionally, if that is not where you're at, I would steer fully clear of this film with a capital F, mm -hmm. but it's not an F. It's, we'll get into that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did I miss anything? Did I miss any... I just uh, toxic relationships in general. Mm. Yeah, that was the thing that I blocked out of my head. Just unpleasant relationships. Yeah. Sec do we say sexual yeah. assault? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, just a, a lot of things. So a lot. steer mm -hmm. clear. I mean, this is. Mm -hmm. This movie has it all. <laughs> Especially all the bits and bops. The bits, bits and, and bops. bops. Yeah. The bits and bops. I can't, I can't deny the bits and bops. <laughs> Beautiful. So, producer Brian, please give us some words so that we can get heavily into this movie. Yeah, sure. So, uh, hi, everybody. Uh, you're maybe listening to us on a podcast form or we're on YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Hi. Uh, you can find us uh, there. You can also find us on all of the social media. That is including TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Talk Horror Pod. We did it. We crossed 10K followers. We have playlists <laughs> now. Very exciting. Thank you all so much. Um, if you haven't followed us, we're having a really fun time there. So check us out on TikTok. Um, and then we're doing Midsummer because Ari Aster's new movie, Bo is Afraid, is coming out soon. And we've already done Hereditary. Check out our Hereditary episode um, mm -hmm. from a couple seasons ago where we break that down. So we Break wanted to make sure uh, that we we included Midsummer. I keep wanting to say Midsummer because <laughs> that's how the Swedish say it, I guess, like in their language or whatever it is. But the I watched one thousand <laughs> Ari Aster interviews today, Come and he high. didn't say the title once. But all the interviewers said Midsummer. He never corrected them, or I'm sure that whatever. Mm. So Midsummer it is. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it drove me nuts today just trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, we're doing Midsummer so that we can make sure that we have all of his movies, all two of them, um, under our belts before we go into Bo is Afraid. And then, you know, listen to this one and that one, and then we'll have Bo is Afraid for you. Or if you're listening to this one, Bo is Afraid is out, um, you have the three ready to go. There we that go. 
I will say to your point of Midsummer, Midsommar, it's also the spelling, too. When you look at it, sure, it's not spelled how we would spell Midsummer. So it's cause right. uh, for question, I believe. Such an uproar amongst the pronunciation <laughs> uh, crew. Exactly. I don't. You guys let us know. Is it Midsummer or Midsommar? Like, how will they the let comments. us know? Follow us on TikTok at Talk Horror Pod. <laughs> yeah. Stitch with us on TikTok and tell us how you say Midsummer or Midsummer. Or Midsummer. <laughs> tell us your reasoning. Give us a full essay. Grand. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. But also, I heard that you have been watching some things. So can you tell me yeah. some other horror movie things that have been filling your minds and eyeballs lately? Sure. So not horror related, but kind of disastery, whatever related. I did watch Plane uh, with Gerard Butler and uh, the guy from uh, Luke Cage and Evil. Uh, His name is uh, is escaping me right now. Um, but Jamie will look it up while I'm talking about I'm this. Sure, will. Um, uh, Mike Coulter. Mike Coulter. Mike Coulter. <clears throat> that's right. He's great. He's fantastic. Uh, He's really good in Evil. I need to rewatch that or mm, get back into it. I need yeah. to watch that too. Mm-hmm. People really like it. I mean, I watched mm-hmm. some of it with Jamie when she watched the first season, and I had a ball just watching a few of them. But I watched Plane, and Plane was exactly what I wanted it to be. It's a <laughs> Gerard Butler action movie. Like with heart um, and some really good sequences. Like I didn't have to think during it. Like I was just like pure entertainment. <laughs> I loved it. I would highly suggest it if you're in the mood for something. You just want action, turn your brain off. Gerard Butler is so damn charming in all of his action movies. Like if you've never yeah. seen Greenland, Greenland ended up being really good. Um, and if you want to, if you want to just smile and laugh, Geostorm. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But an actual good movie is Olympus Has Fallen. But um, <sighs> Yes. Great film. Um, but Jamie and I, this is like maybe two weeks ago now. Uh, Jamie and I watched for the, I watched for the first time, uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D. <laughs> oh. I, yeah. I had never seen it before. Um, you know, we had to, we had to complete the, uh, the um, Supernatural Brother reboot uh, marathon. The 2009, okay. something about 2009 mm-hmm. Supernatural. <laughs> Actors needing to star in reboots. I don't get it. I had a great time. I thought it was really fun. (laughs) I thought that the bloody, the the campy bloodiness of it all was super fun. And quite frankly, I did not see the ending coming. I don't want to spoil it here, but that twist, I just like, I didn't think that the movie was going to pull those punches and it did. And I, I super dug the whole thing. I was super, it's, is it great? No. Did I, was I engaged for like the two hours and like had a great time? Sure. Was, was I entertained by the fact that we watched it in 2d and the 3d was still like, (laughs) you know, like, like, yes. Like there. Yeah. Like every time it was like supposed to be in 3d, I'd be like, I would get in Brian's face and be like, (laughs) I just wanted him to experience it the way that I experienced it. No. So do you actually, Jamie, watched it in theaters with the 3D moments? Yes. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Oh, man. Have you seen it, Nikisha? I have not seen it. Oh, but good. I can only imagine that it feels like the Saw 3D that came out, I think, maybe around the same <clears throat> time. I think I there know. was a Saw movie that I saw <laughs> in theaters. <laughs> I saw a lot of them in theaters for a while because they were just like 
coming out year after year. Mm. I can't remember which one. It might have been the 3D one. But I, I started to actually feel sick while watching it. And I was like, I know it's not the content because I've seen all these other ones. So right. I'm assuming it's the three. Something about the 3D is like not sitting well with me. And I had to like step out of the theater and like catch my breath and then oh. like go back in. So soft. I can't even remember which one it was. Saw 3D came out in 2010. So like same time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Same, yeah, that yeah, makes era. sense because yeah. I was in college. Mm-hmm. I know I was in college when I saw it. God, too many uh, bits mm. and bops in your faces. That's why yeah, I think just, I feel you know, sick. When all the bits and well, bops are like. <laughs> there are a lot for an extended period of time of bits and bots, bops in uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D. Oh. Oh, yeah. Where is it streaming? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know. We may okay. have we may have watched it somewhere where it's not supposed to be streaming. Great. <laughs> I'll find it. We'll yeah. find no, it's on Prime. Oh, we watched it on As Prime. Right now, oh, Prime and Tubi. Oh, yeah, we oh, did. Because we, we, we had commercials, Yeah, I think. we had commercials. We watched it on Prime or Tubi. That's what we did. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Without spoilers, there's a whole sequence where someone was, like, naked. Like, like fully chased. naked being chased. <laughs> Great. <laughs> We love it. Just <laughs> uncomfortable, vulnerable, about to die. It's all Yeah, the I like that. I like yeah. that spin. Just vulnerable. <laughs> Very vulnerable. Ugh. Well, uh, two things. So first off, I just came from Salem today, guys. Wait. <laughs> I just totally ah! forgot. Really? Yes, because I we're- thought I spotted a witch house photo on your Instagram. Yes. And I was like, wait, is that like the witch house it was in Salem? The witch house. Ah! Yeah, we um Very so we're cool. in Boston and my friend reminded me that Salem is only like a 30 minute drive away. I yeah. would have been going there every off day. <laughs> uh but we went today and uh we saw it's it's basically if you watch uh the TikTok Brian that you put of when you guys went to Salem, like, mm-hmm. we had all the same spots. Cool. And I had been there before, right, but I right. uh, just went again and it was nice to go in the off season. So this is my first mm. time going in the off season and so it was nice that we weren't shoulder to shoulder with people like in the witch village and yeah. you know, we could go and see uh some the we went to the Salem Witch Museum and it wasn't super crowded and with um, those badass animatronics. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Okay, so it, when I saw it, I just have to say I feel like when I first saw it in Spooky Season, there were actors like reenacting like certain things that were happening, and this one it was just like a voiceover and like the little animatronics. But they, I mean, it it was just. Figures, wax figures, they weren't moving at all. It was just the lights yeah, that were uh-huh. moving around. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, they're not animatronics, right. No. It's just, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the lights are just moving on each of them. But, I mean, they're really cool, like, wax figures. Like wax figures. Man, but that like was not right, what I experienced the first time. <laughs> no, it's, like, right out of the 60s and 70s. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. But I still dug it, I mean, because, oh, hell you know, yeah. witches. So, yeah. uh, if we had a good spooky time today. And then part two. So I haven't watched a lot of movies because y'all, I'm still going through The Walking Dead, and we're on season three, so we oh, are in damn. the prison. Oh yeah, mm. we're zooming right by. Merle is back. Where the hell was Merle? He was gone for a season and a half. And Merle's Daryl's brother, right? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So super uh, excited to continue on in in that but i am fully invested now guys it's like every time i come home from the show me and my roommate will sit and just <laughs> watch uh. two or three episodes of the walking Dead. <laughs> do you have favorite characters yeah daryl hands down oh, yeah, right duh. now is 
my favorite person. Has Michonne <clears throat> showed up yet? Yes. And okay. we're getting to know her. So with the two zombies that she has, but then she like killed them. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't really dug her feet in yet. Um, Andrea is still just as annoying as ever. I sure. hate her. I really hope that she is out of the show soon because <laughs> she gets on my nerves. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's a good time. I'm excited to oh, continue on. <laughs> I'm jealous that you're watching it for the first time. That's so exciting. Like there's so it's much. So good. Like I'm, I'm fascinated to hear as a binge watcher going mm-hmm. through all of it and and seeing if you felt at certain points like when you think the lulls are when you're less interested in it mm-hmm. because like binging it is so vastly different from watching it week to week and waiting and then mm-hmm. getting like oh I have to tune in these characters are so annoying but like if you're just like keep going going like I'm so jealous I mean it's just been a, a ride uphill from from the start for me so uh it hasn't felt like a lull, but it might be because I'm binge watching it. And so sure. it just is like where the action keeps going. There's something new. There's a baby that's about to happen. I, I, ugh, it's so oh, much. you haven't gotten to. Oh, my gosh. There's <laughs> yeah, so much. The baby hasn't been born yet. There's The baby's still in there. We'll see what happens. Damn. Cool. I look forward to more Good. of your Walking Dead updates. Yes. <laughs> Fun times. Well, speaking of uh, updates, well, not that's a bad segue, but I was going to say we need um, <laughs> we need a summary, a plot summary. What's the plot of our good old midsummer, midsummer? So Brian has so graciously volunteered, yes, to do that for us. I will do good this. Job. All right, who you, wants Brian? to who wants to time me? I will. I will time you. All right, not 15 minutes. That is <laughs> far too generous of an, an amount of time. Exactly. All right, so you have two minutes on my little clock, not the calculator app. Okay, And right. that is the amount of time that you have to give us a good old plot summary. Are you ready? Ready. All right, and go. Okay, so we watched Midsummer. Midsummer opens with the prologue that shows our main character, Danny, being really worried about her family uh, because her sister, who we found in his book, bipolar um, has kind of sent some ominous nefarious emails to her she's not answering back long story short we find out that Danny is keeping calling her family and her sister has jerry rigged the car to basically uh, kill all of them with carbon monoxide carbon monoxide poisoning while Danny is at college and Danny basically leans on her boyfriend Christian um, f- you know for that support for um, you know, to help grieve. Anyway, flash forward a few months. Um, they're all going to Sweden uh, to kind of work on their thesis. Um, they're anthropology um, grad students, where she is a psychology grad student, or um, and um, they go to Sweden uh, and essentially are experiencing Midsommar in Sweden. Lots of things start happening. It's all very nefarious. Um, uh, a lot of the guests who have been brought are disappearing. Their friends start to disappear. All of this in the midst of uh, Danny and Christian kind of at odds in terms of um, their relationship. And then uh, Danny becomes the Mayflower Queen, uh, and Christian is then drugged and basically cre- is sent to reproduce with some of the people in this um, commune. Um, and then at the end, Danny gets to choose who the last person to die is because they need 
need to sacrifice nine outsiders and she decides on her boyfriend Christian and then she lights Christian on fire along with the rest of the other eight people and she finally has some sort of relief and semblance of normalcy because she got rid of her boyfriend so she smiles um and she's the Mayfair, the May, May, the May, Mayfair Queen, um, and that's Midsummer. Midsummer, damn it! <laughs> that's the plot. There's, there's much more to it than that, but I feel like that's like a basic outline of this movie. Yeah, yeah. We'll he get into good. that. Was good. All of the details of things in our next section: likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. So, guys, tell me if this is... I'm sure this is not the first time you've seen this movie, but tell me how many times you have seen this movie and give me your likes and gripes on it. Jamie, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I don't remember how many times I've seen this movie. I want to say this is maybe my third time... Um, maybe four, I can't remember. It's one of, one of those. Um, and, uh, I saw it in theaters. I don't remember with who I'm assuming. I I was going to assume Brian, but now I, now I really don't know. No, this is only Uh, my second time seeing this. And I watched this with Jamie and the comfort of our own home when we were kind of binging (laughs) stuff like, like hereditary. Mm. Then we watched this. Um, but this was only my second time watching it. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember uh, who I saw this with, so shout out to whoever you are out there. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I mean, it's probably, I'm going to shout out my friend Micaiah, who was like my go-to horror movie person that I would see all horror movies with, so shout out Micaiah. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it is you. <laughs> uh, but this movie, um, I love this movie. It's so... It's so good and also deeply disturbing and, like, makes me cry. Um, But also, like, there's parts that feel really good. There's parts that feel super cathartic. Mm. Um, I also just, like, love Florence Pugh, and she's incredible. Fantastic. And, like, just showcases a truly excellent performance. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, it's all around – Good. And let me tell you my reasons why. (laughs) Um, Here is my thesis statement. Yes. Uh, So my first note is Florence Pugh is a queen um, because just the way that she is able – she's just conveying so much and also is so – is like holding so much back Mm. throughout this whole movie and it's – it's just like it, it feels very real. Uh, the first thing that I clocked is her crying while also like keeping her voice as steady as possible because she's clearly upset in that moment while on the phone with Christian because she got this like what she realizes later is a suicide note email from her sister and like is concerned and doesn't really know what to do in that moment. But like just the ability of her it's like holding these two conflicting pieces of like both expressing like the emotions coming out of her cause she's crying, but she's like trying to keep it all together. And like, because of the earlier thesis you hear maybe like a few sentences before where she's talking to a friend and she essentially is saying like, I'm afraid that my emotions are going to drive him away. 
Like, that's, like, the core of this movie. Until she finally realizes that, like, maybe he's not that great of a guy. And because of him, she's not able to, like, just be her authentic self while also going through something incredibly traumatic and, like, experiencing grief. Mm -hmm. Um, But for, like, a good chunk of it, we get, like, her holding herself back because she's afraid of losing this relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And, you know, like, we can speculate for some of the reasons, but, like, we also get a lot of the reasons. Like, she doesn't want to be alone. She doesn't want to be alone while she's, like, you know, dealing with this now stuff. alone. She lost her whole family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like she really doesn't have anyone else. Right. But also like going through this grieving process alone is also terrifying. So like she is willing to like compartmentalize that to the best that she's even able to in order to like keep the relationship with him going. Um but also he is a juvie head and all of his friends are kind of juvie head. Well at least uh um uh, Will Poulter is definitely a doobie head. Definitely. Just the um, worst. He's also, yes. a, he's the he's worst. also a pee-pee log. <laughs> <laughs> he's a doobie head and a pee-pee log. And a pee-pee log. Thank you. Okay, um, <laughs> But, like, it. so, I, weirdly, I think the same day that we watched this, I also got a text from my mother-in-law. I thought you were going to say a text from an ex. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) no, that would be weirder. Um, no, I got a text from my mother-in-law linking to an article from the New York times about how like therapy language has really been integrated in like contemporary dating today, which like, I've also like just heard in conversations with my own clients, but I thought of it because in this, in the beginning, when the, all the guys are together talking about the potential of going to Sweden and they they do go to Sweden, right? That's where this all takes place. Yes. Cool. I got really nervous for one second that I just fully said the wrong place. Um, <laughs> but there's a comment that, uh, that Will Poulter's character says where he's like, she's abusing you. And it made me think about how like people misuse these like charged words and, and like, it's just like perpetuating harm in other ways. So like he's using it wrongly. (laughs) Like she's grieving and like having a, a, a normal emotional reaction and they're like framing her to be the bad guy for like for wanting companionship from her partner. And like, it's gross and like you should read it as gross. But I just thought it was so interesting that like, you know, they could take that language and spin it to like work in favor of their narrative, like, oh, she's, she's abusing you. Like she's so like claustrophobic and like clingy and all of those things. But it's like, on one hand, if she's reading that she can't express the emotions because he's going to leave on the other hand, the friends are like, she's expressing too much. You should leave. Like clearly there's tension here and something is not working. Yeah. And the the prologue in general, like those first 15 minutes before the title card drops and like it's in the snow and whatnot, like all of that is, is truly, I don't, I don't even know if there's a more perfect setup for what this movie is trying to do and is like, and all of that takes place in like the winter and the cold kind of like literally like they even talk about at the end uh, well, they 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 bring up like what all the seasons mean to his community, um, yeah. and like winter is like the death, the the uh, advising, the like 
end of your life cycle, but the movie starts with the end of the life cycle, which I think is fascinating. And and Jamie bring up like the framing of everything and us seeing like her trauma firsthand, how they're interpreting it. All of that just like you know everything you need to know about every single character who's going to Sweden and like all of it playing out from there is almost just like cherry on top because like it's just so perfectly set up. And it doesn't feel like overkill either. It doesn't no. feel like too much exposition. No. Yeah, which is yeah, totally. Really yeah. great. And I never thought about that until you said <laughs> that. But it's like that is exactly the right amount of information that we need to know to carry on throughout these people's well, lives. Because it's happening. There's action happening. She's worried yeah. about her family. It didn't all happen and they're explaining what happened. They're all going right. through it in that moment. And it's kind of pretty spectacular the way that Ari Aster like frames all of that in that opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is like one of the best just like, yeah, not being heavy handed and like, like framing things without thinking without treating the audience like they're stupid. Mm. Right. And and like setting things up. But like, there's still this like, we'll get into all of it. But like, there still is the, the tension and the sense of like, what is going to happen next? At the same time, completely parallel to we are being spoon fed exactly what's going to happen constantly throughout this entire film. Mm. And so like the fact that like we are fearful of like, oh, my God, what's what's coming? We also have seen it. There's like images throughout the entire thing. And I love that because it's it's like it's so cleverly interwoven throughout the story and we're seeing everything. But like. We're also we're also like essentially told what's going to happen. Um, it's just a matter of like you know, are you paying attention enough? Like not realizing that that's essentially what we're being told. But like, I just it's so oh, it's so. This good. movie's a um, foreshadow fest. Like, yeah, absolutely. But not in like a not in like a a bad no. way. Like it's Mm-mm. not. It's Mm-mm. it's still super engaging. Like I'm not like bored being like, oh, I guess that's gonna happen next. Like right. It's it it's still like I don't know. I watching it, even rewatching it, I still feel like that there's tension building and it's keeping me on my toes. Even though like you know you you know what's gonna happen because they're telling you, but like it's still scary. It's still like instilling mm-hmm. that fear. Yeah. Um, and because I think it's like a fear that people can empathize with. And I'm going to say empathy a whole lot in this too, but like Mm -hmm. these are like, you know, grief is something that all of us as humans have to contend with. And so like, I think that by making the fear really real, despite it being set in a place where maybe like, we're not all super exposed to that setting, but like still bringing it close to home Mm -hmm. is, is what like makes it really engaging. Um, Shout out to that transition from uh, Danny running into the bathroom. Absolutely. Like switching between. But like her running and going to the bathroom and then being in the bathroom on the plane yep. is like just top tier, one of the best transitions ever of all time. Um, the, oh, okay. So a huge like, and I think I clocked Brian while he was taking his notes. He wrote the same thing. But the fact that this whole movie takes place in the daylight in mm-hmm. the sun uh where everything is bright and you know typically the trope is that like spooky things take place in the dark you can't yep. see well it's scary i'm afraid of the dark you'd think that being in the sunlight and daylight would like offer a sense of comfort but even in the beginning after they've taken the shrooms 
when um, Will Poulter's character is like freaking out and he's like, Ugh, what's, why is it still light out? Isn't this supposed to be dark? And he's explaining like the midnight sun um, mm -hmm. and saying like, it's like, you're okay, but they're actually not okay. Um, that's like one of my favorite things of like spinning a trope on its head and, and, you know, switching up on us. And yeah. Still being spooky. I think also to your point of Danny going from the bathroom in the apartment to the bathroom on the plane. I think what also adds to that in the same vein is that even though she's in a different spot, she's still feeling the exact same amount of grief. And so mm. like, even though mm. her atmosphere is changing, even though her environment is changing, she's still feeling the same things. And so I think that's definitely mm -hmm. the same with the fact that even though they are in the sunlight, they are still experiencing all of this tension and grief and whatever things that they're dealing with or whatever they've brought with them to uh, this place. So like the environment is not changing that, which is yeah. also just beautiful to see. No, that's a really excellent point that like, you know, she's trying to get away to like help compartmentalize and deal with the grief, but like, yeah, you, you can't just like shove it away. It's still going to be there. Um, and like every time that she's like having a breakdown, we see throughout the film, she's like removing herself from everyone else. She's like excusing herself. She's not allowing herself to experience the grief around other people sure. until the end. Um, so yeah, she's just like, constantly trying to hide those true emotions that she's having. Um, the jump scare of the sister behind her when she like goes to the bathroom, when she's mm. having that panic attack. Oh, in the outhouse? Um, yeah, in the yeah. outhouse. Hated that. Did not like that. Um, I also got really annoyed when Christian was trying to light the cake over and over again. That really stressed me oh, out. Oh, it was, I was perfect. Like, stop. I literally wrote, stop lighting this cake. Just, Just like, give up. Leave it Just alone. stop. It was perfect. You forgot. Um, Leave man. it alone. Oh, my God. His, no, that stressed me out. Him, like, that's just a microcosm of, like, what he, like, he just is, like, they're both trying to get this spark, and they know that, like, it's just a forgotten cake. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, my next note is Christian sucks. Mm -hmm. He's so smarmy and slimy. And as I was writing that was also the scene where Chibi called him leechy and lazy. So I just added that on top Leechy of it. lazy. But like, man, Christian is just like the, he's, he's so lazy, but like, it's just like all encompassing. Like he's too lazy to break up with his girlfriend. He's too lazy to like, you know, Find not invite thesis. her. Yeah, like Man. he's just like not even about the thesis, just like how he's 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 too lazy in his response when he's told that he was been approved to mate with like one of the other people from mm -hmm. that village. Like he just like is so like not engaged in anything um, until it's like he's going to be in trouble. And then he's like, oh, no, I have nothing to do with this. Man, he has but, like, no spine. He's just so disengaged. Yeah. yeah. That, very much that. That scene um, with um, Josh Cheedy, um, when he's telling him he's going to do the thesis or whatnot, is truly the, I mean, is horrific. That scene just shows truly this, like, bastard man. He is awful in that scene. That scene brings me so much angst. Yeah. See, that's so funny because really all of the scenes with, uh, with Danny bring me way more angst than that one. That's mm. just like, that's because it's, I don't know. I just like, I feel so much more uncomfortable when he's like just not 
engage. Oh, the scene where Danny comes up to him and is like, oh, the, the couple is got or like the guy from the couple left without his fiance. Right. And he's like having a conversation with someone and he just like fully dismisses her and continues to engage. Oh my God. That that part oh. makes me feel the rage that you feel. I like I watching watching Danny's face just being stuck there, like left behind mm-hmm. in this active conversation that he like he's like, oh, speaking on this and then just like totally disregards her. And it's awful. And she's just standing there and like, oh, it just makes me well, so upset. I think that the reason why the like f- that conversation about the thesis bothers me so much is because we've already seen the examples of how he's a bad boyfriend, of how he's dismissive, how monstrous he can be w- because he has no spine. But he's but we we don't see it as much with his friends, even though we kind of do at the beginning where he's like, oh, by the way, I invited her. Like, she won't come. Like, all of that. Like, you know, I feel like you have different relationships with your friends and potentially with your... Um, when you've already like shown how awful you are to your girlfriend as like a character. So like that yes. scene was like, oh, he's an all around horrible person. Yes. Like it's not like he's choosing to be this way just with Danny. Like he is a bastard person to everybody. Right. The fact that he said, uh, oh, and it was y'all's idea to invite her. Not, not mine. <laughs> and you're just like, what are you saying? You're dropping all of this like. She is she gonna come? He can she take not gonna no come? responsibility. No, none, none, like, none at all. Anything. Like you mentioned, like oh, we don't even really associate with them. Like that's insane. You yeah, insane. Yeah, wild. Oh my god. Um, on the flip side, Pele is like actively trying to empathize and like sit in Danny's feelings with her when he's having that conversation of like, does he feel like home to you? Mm-hmm. But like. He's also, like, him, he's really trying to be compassionate, but she's still not ready to, like, talk about it. But you see just this, like, stark contrast between him and Christian where he's, like, actively saying, like, oh, I lost my family, too, in a fire. Wink, 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 nudge. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because we could probably assume that it's the same thing that happens to Christian at the end. Right, right. But, like, I think just his his willingness to have that conversation with her to like empathize with her. Um, it was just like, ugh, he's, he was, he's such a, he's a nice guy, he's even good. though, you know, all this stuff happens, but like, he's, he's a nice guy. I he's like a nice him. guy who, uh, um, convinced all them to go to their deaths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah, actually yeah. really hates him um, and wants to just bring him all his sacrifices. Yeah. Fine. But that's fine. It's yeah. a nice guy. That's fine. That's fine. Whatever, whatever. Um, but, uh, And then, so the last really thing that I will end with is just, like, this being such a great example of empathy. Like, the way that, the way that this, like, village of people act in all of these moments with, I would say the exception is the, when the two elderly folks, um, like, commit suicide off of the cliff. Mm. Nobody else really reacts. But... Both when when Danny, like, you know, sees Christian engaging in being assaulted because he's under the influence. Um, and then at the end, when, like, they burn the building that the people are inside of, um, you see, like, the village fully engaged in this, like, empathetic 
writhing and like, well, they're writhing at the end because I think that's what's happening. I'm assuming to the people burning in the building, but the, the like grieving screams and Mm -hmm. cries when Danny finally has her moment of catharsis where she's like allowing herself to experience all of the grief all at once. It's not just, she's grieving her family who's dead. She's grieving like probably the end of her relationship like, this is, like, a, a culminating moment where it's, it's, like, she can finally let go of all of this stuff that she's been holding on to in order to keep this relationship going. And, like, seeing him in that compromised position was, like, the last thing that I think just allowed her to, like, let go. Mm. I think that, like, the physical representation of her, like, actually vomiting as the first sign of her, like, letting something out, I thought was, like, really powerful, actually. Like, you know, like... Just letting go. She's literally letting go and, like, she throws up um, and then is, like, it's not just that everyone around her is, like, screaming, but, like, they're, full. They're like, sobbing. They're, like, crying with her. They're, like, fully in that emotional state with her. And it was so, I like, I find that, I found that very moving and powerful and it, like, makes me cry because it's just, like, you don't see empathy displayed in that way like people people empathize and like sit in feelings and like empathy is different from sympathy empathy Mm -hmm. is different from pity like this is like really like engaging in the emotional state that somebody else is at like meeting them where they're at like putting yourself in someone else's shoes and like they really they really do that with her in that moment I find that so powerful so deeply moving and then again at the end when they're all watching like the the sacrifices building burn up. They're like screaming and writhing as if they themselves are actually in pain. Again, I find that very powerful that they are like putting themselves in the shoes of the people who like also offer to sacrifice themselves, which is why you can hear them screaming at the end. Um, the ones that are at least alive mm-hmm. uh, and and supposedly like with the medicine that's supposed to make them not feel anything. But I guess that's not really that's how not that true. works. Wait, was it not supposed to make them feel anything or supposed to not or just make not them feel, feel fear? Because didn't she say like this will help with the fear or did she actually say? She said fear and suffering. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, if they weren't going to feel it. Right. I guess it's more about like emotionally being scarred as opposed to like. You're being burned alive. It's pretty pretty brutal. Either way, yeah. it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No matter if you but, volunteer or not. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I appreciate that like it's not just about like, you know, oh cool, those those two guys, you know, sacrificing themselves for the greater good, but like they are really experiencing that that agony for themselves and like going through that process and like we see it and and I really appreciate that. And obviously, like, you know, the the end where you see her her facial expression change is like chef's kiss. Also, shout out to the the maypole dance scene. <laughs> I love that part. Yes. It's so good. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like her screaming, grunting, crying, wailing with the woman all around her is like my absolute favorite part of this movie. It's perfect. Ten of a ten. No notes. <laughs> all, the, all the likes, no gripes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you said a lot of mine, so like cut my stuff in half. I agree like <laughs> with all of the, what Jamie has to say. I just have like 
sprinkle in a few uh, more things. Wait, but Nikisha, yes. what number time is this for you seeing the movie? I want to say maybe my third time seeing mm, it. Okay. Uh, the first time was during the pandemic because it was streaming on Amazon Prime at the time. Mm. And so I just sat and watched it and it was a wild ride. But this go around is going to be a lot of what my likes are because of having watched it before mm-hmm. and watching it now and seeing some things that I didn't see necessarily before. Sure. So first, of course, I love the the painting at the beginning detailing the events of the movie with the love potion and all uh, the, basically like the um, different seasons that are happening with that picture and Mm -hmm. then that kind of mirroring when they're showing off the picture when they are in Sweden of like the love potion and all that stuff um I also love that the screaming and and Jamie said this but also just the scream at the beginning that Danny gives her her family and then it mirroring the screams that she gives at the end when she finds her boyfriend cheating which led me down this whole pathway of there are a lot of mirror motifs in this movie that I really wasn't thinking of, Mm -hmm. especially in how it was shot, which is another one of my likes, because uh, one thing that I really enjoyed was when uh, Florence, when uh, Danny is talking to Christian, but you just see Danny and Christian is like in the back, but you can kind of see him reflected Mm -hmm. in a a picture. So it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. like a mirror, but you can kind of like see his reflection as they're talking. And then it's kind of the same thing that happens when Christian is telling his friends and all you see in the camera are the friends, Mm -hmm. but you see the reflection of like Christian from uh, a picture. And so I think that was just a really cool way to be uh, filming things that I really liked. Yeah, Yeah, it'll in a scenario like that you'd be cutting in between the two of them so you don't see the reaction at the same time so being able to see them both at the same time and then also the choreography of the scene the actual like blocking in terms of them like being further apart and him going closer to her like with all of that is just absolutely i that's on my likes too so that's why i'm kind of throwing that in there yeah no absolutely huge huge shout out to the cinematographer powell uh pogorzelski um Mm. he did hereditary as well but he also um did um fresh oh nice he was the um uh, so that was um super super cool like He's he's an amazing uh, dude. Anyway, back yeah. to sorry. I just wanted to say that because I was no, on no, my no. Tour. I love that, and I love that. Fresh is also a part of his thing because that also just makes sense with how <laughs> that movie works as well. And it's also on the list of horrible uh, dating. <laughs> yeah, movies, for sure. So <laughs> all tying in uh, together for good reason. I also just want to say the conversation with Danny finding out that Christian was going to Sweden and the fact that she apologizes and says that she misunderstood when he was basically just saying, I told you that I was going just, I, I think that was so well written because it was just so infuriating, but you're understanding exactly what's happening at the same time and truly what the dynamic of this, of that relationship is. And I think that was just like the peak 
of this is how their relationship works. This is how it's been working for years and years and years. And we are seeing firsthand like exactly how he is gaslighting her and how she is reacting to this gaslighting. So I think that whole scene just really sets up everything uh, very well. Obviously, the tension building in this is so great, but I will say one of my gripes in watching it this time around was that there was so much time before shit hits the fan in Sweden. Like you have the the ball drop with the family suicide at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of movie time that passes, and this movie is timed at like two hours and 30 minutes, I believe. Um... And so it was just, it felt a little bit longer to get to everything, but it might just be, have been because I knew what was coming. So I was just waiting for the thing to come. And, um, it was also like 1130 at night when I started watching this movie and I was like, Oh, this is longer than I remember. (laughs) So maybe that also has something to do Uh with it. It's like, Oh, okay. I have two shows tomorrow. (laughs) We're going to see how we get through this. (laughs) One of the other things, uh, that, First off, the score is fantastic and the creepy six-note theme of Sweden when they're like playing the flutes when they come in, I think is gorgeous. <laughs> we love a good soundtrack and I think that it matches everything completely with how the tones relate to each other because it seems like it should be in a major kind of happy thing, but it's also still unsettling at the same time. And I think it's just uh, how the intervals of the notes are with between those six notes that really add sure. to it. Um, so I absolutely love that. One thing that I caught this time around that I didn't last time was when Pele is, uh, brings his father figure and is introducing everyone. And he's like, hi, how you doing? How you doing? And then he goes to Danny and he says, welcome home. And that's the only Mm. one that he does that to. And I was like, Mm. "Ah, because that's her home. This is so great. (laughs) I love this so much. The costuming, simple, wonderful. We love it. And... I loved the gore in this and the special effects, especially with the uh, elder suicide that happens. And then when the hammer comes in, I just thought that all of well, those special effects were so beautiful and well done, especially well, on the heels of watching all the zombie everythings. It's just like, oh, I'm so into sure. special effects and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. makeup and, and all how they make all of those things happen and it'd be so realistic. So I thought that was really great. And I also loved in regards to the score the things getting quiet when the suicides happen. So you're not getting kind of what would we call it? The um is what is it called? Uh uh Foley art. Yeah. Uh-huh. When you're getting the sound uh the sound effects of things happening. It's like yeah. you know and you see this happening but you're not hearing it. And I think that is just something that kind of like fucks with your brain, which I think is really cool that they just decided to not have any sound with that at all. And I think that just adds to what is happening? Is this actually happening? Did my sound just cut out? Like, what's going on? So, really love that. And uh, the last thing that I'll say is one of the quotes that I thought was really kind of beautiful that was said, and I think it was right after the the suicide, is, uh, it's no good fighting the inevitable when he was talking about death. It corrupts the spirit. I was like, oh, that's kind of deep because mm. that's where we're all going to head in whatever shape, way, or form. Mm. Like, we come into this world and we know that at some point we're not going to be in this world anymore. So it's like, why fight it? It corrupts your spirit. And I think it kind of speaks on just being more present because you don't know when that time is going to happen. Not to say that when you're 72, you should off yourself, but to the (laughs) beautiful effect of not letting death have a hold on you and you feeling like you have some type of 
um, control to make sure you're staying present in in your life. And I think that was a, a cool kind of takeaway in a weird, fucked up thing way that this like commune is doing. But all uh, siding with Jamie on all the things that she said, ten out of ten, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> Brian, cool. Um, so I'll go through mine a little bit. I won't repeat anything that you've all said, but um, I think in the opening, in addition to what we've talked about already, Christian's opinion on Danny's sister letting her sister do it to her um, perfectly sets up his character. Just like that, his opinion, like his strong opinion about something that he's like shouldn't have an opinion on when he when when that's like literally what he does in some ways. Uh, just all the foreshadowing in this movie, just to, to recap some of those, like when they joke about him impregnating somebody in Sweden at the beginning, all the mm. tapestries in this movie, there's the bare f- um, art Fire, above yeah. her bed um, with the girl in the flower crown petting the bear. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have that. Um, the zipping up of the body bags at the beginning showing that her parents didn't get to choose the way they went out. And I think that's why Danny's a little bit, she's terrified, but fascinated by the fact that like these older people got to choose how they exited the world in a communal way. Um, Mm -hmm. The relationship is very sad in this movie and the human behavior seems very real to me in this. The like, even, even their garbage people, like the garbage people are acting like real garbage people, not movie garbage people. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that um, uh, my, two of my favorite things in this movie are that when 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 there's that shot of her looking out the window of the plane, um, and it's gorgeous, and then you have that bit of turbulence and it cuts. That like mm. one moment of turbulence. The te- this movie. I remember the first time watching this movie and having no idea what was going to happen next. But there's all this foreshadowing, obviously, and you know, and and that. I like that this movie shows you that she's taking Ativan for anxiety at the beginning of this movie. And so you're watching this whole movie through kind of the lens of anxiety. And then, like, you have all these little things that up the, te- the, the, the tension. The score, as Nikisha mentioned, some of these transitions and shots, as um, Jamie mentioned. But then you have that one shot where they're finally going in down that road and the whole camera flips. And then it flips mm-hmm. back again like you're being transported somewhere. Um I think that just like it just really sets the tone and mood throughout this whole thing. Again, I mentioned the cinematography, spectacular. Uh, something else I wanted to bring into this is that, um, in addition to uh, some of the communal experience stuff that we talked about, um, they do moan when he breaks his leg and then they have to kill him. So they're all moaning with the old man when his leg is broken. Um, mm-hmm. They're moaning with the sex. They're crying with Danny. They're dog crying at the end. And what's interesting is. At the beginning, Danny is moaning into Christian's lap, and he could not be more apathetic. That, Mm -hmm. like, in conjunction or in juxtaposition to how this community moans with her, like, super powerful, especially then multiple on multiple watches. Um, There's a lot of editing in this where it cuts on inhales and exhales. Breathing, uh, when yes. Danny like will start to breathe or start to cry and it'll cut. Um, when when they're breathing out to blow the candle, it cuts. Um, gr- when when they're all growling with uh, the with the pain, um, it cuts as well. Um, there's there's a there's that's fascinating to me. Um, 
A couple other things I wanted to mention is that um, the table is a mirror table, uh, the long mm-hmm. table. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's no, Jamie and I talked about this. Um, the movie does such a spectacular job of reminding you of what um, she is carrying with her this whole time. The death of her family and how she couldn't, she she just didn't do enough to save them, in her opinion. And mm-hmm. you obviously have the jump scare of her sister. Her sister's face is in the forest behind Danny once she's uh, announced as the May Queen. So it's kind of there, um, always there, always on top of that. But at the end, <coughs> showing the trips is amazing. Like that just like slight CGI of everything being like a little off kilter. And at the end, Oof, yes. when she makes the decision, whether it's going to be Christian or the rando and chooses Christian, like the second that she finds herself at home, the CGI stops just to show that mm-hmm. she is totally like coherent and lucid when she is making the decision. I thought that's just absolutely wonderful. And I, I want to say that my favorite, uh, my favorite thing about this movie without a doubt <clears throat> is that it, no matter how you watch it, it's excellent. Meaning is this a breakup movie? Yeah, it's an amazing 10 out of 10 breakup movie. Is this a horror movie? Yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 horror movie. Is this a black comedy? Yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 black comedy. And then what Jamie turned me on to, and I did more research on it, is, is this a fairy tale? Yeah, it is. She's she's an orphan at the beginning who becomes a princess at the end. Ten out of ten. Yeah, like a queen. A queen excuse me, at the end. A queen. A queen. Ten out of ten. Skip so many steps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, this is a codependent. Uh, mm. Ari, Ari Aster said that this is a codependency horror movie, mm. um, which is fascinating. And then um, it's just it's. He says it's also a feel good movie for dissatisfied partners. Um, um, I just think that this is spectacular and, uh, a couple, uh, my one, I have two gripes. Danny says Christian or Christian two different ways throughout this movie. And I couldn't figure out why she says it differently. Was one scene filmed before another one? I don't know. Super weird. Um, Mm. and then, uh, there's too much leg room on the plane when she's like (laughs) squeezing in, like there's too much leg room. There's just too much. First class, baby. I guess. Um, some quotes. Oh, fuck. It's a new person. Uh, ah, both, every day. Both my grandparents died from ticks. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are lots of dicks on the wall. Uh, <gasps> check my scalp for ticks and I'll check yours. Um, mm. Again, Jamie mentioned, does he feel like home to you? And then my, one of my favorite lines from this entire movie, can Christian come with me? No, the queen must ride alone. Like when she's going to bless the crops. Yep. I, I just thought that yep. was yes. really great. Um, I think this movie is excellent. We could talk a lot more about this movie. It, we could even talk about how wonderfully feminist this movie can come across as um, mm. <clears throat> for, for many reasons. I read an article that was saying that the result of this is like a hyper-expressionalistic showing of female support and the 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 catastrophe of the effects of infidelity and trauma in general, and that um, mm. 
a bear represents like the masculinity, fertility, and all of that, whereas the flower represents the woman. And the fact that like this this spineless man in a bear costume was being set fire by the person in the flower crown and the flower dress, like is mm-hmm. is pretty a pretty powerful image while she's smiling. That's excellent. Um, yeah. uh, also, a lot of this is ruins. If you'd look deeper into it, all the ruins um, on their clothing, as well as all around, kind of um, are foreshadowing of what like their journey as a character is going to be. Um, I only read a little bit mm. on that, but that's a whole nother level. Are you level. saying ruins or runes? The runes, the runes. Okay. The- <laughs> I probably did say ruins. <laughs> <laughs> but we knew what you were talking about. Yeah. You know, oh, I just the, had, to, had to clock your yeah, accent. The in that ruins moment. in Midsommar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's like you're making my brain hurt. Yeah. So those are my uh, those are my very high level kind of likes and gripes in addition to what you've all said. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, let's get oh, into right, it right. because we have a lot more to talk about <laughs> yeah. with mental health and human yeah, behavior. Guys, like this an, movie is just so good. We're in an hour now. Stick with us. We've got even more stuff. This is going to be amazing. <gasps> oh, boy. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's get into it with mm, brains. Brains. Tasty. Tasty. Grand. So, first off, uh, obviously Florence like needs therapy and we realize that like she is in therapy because they make the joke of like, why can't you talk to her therapist? And it's like, well, she's talking to her therapist and it's like, okay, whatever. Um, but I would love for you to just speak on, even though she does have a therapist, she is still clinging very hard to Christian for, uh, not only emotional support, but just trying to help her get through that grief, which I think is like even more on another level than just having somebody with you going through something. Like this is a a huge thing that you are dealing with and she is clinging to him to deal with this with her. So even though the relationship is toxic, why do you think that people still cling to those that are closest to them to help them deal with situations they're going through? Well, before Jamie answers that, I want to say we cannot overlook the fact that she is a psychology student and knows all of the things that mm-hmm. she's doing to herself and still does it. That's just how powerful trauma and all of that is. Like, I forget that. I totally forget matter. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yep. I forgot she's that a psycho- too. It's yeah. wild. It's wild. And she even says it. She was like, yeah, that's like why I'm nuts. I mean, I chose <laughs> right, to do right. this. And, you know, like she makes a joke about it. Like, I want to go into psychology because I know I'm crazy, in quotes, because I hate using the word crazy. I mean, but. have I not said before that there's like plenty of people, including myself, who go into this field because like they themselves have are curious about like mental health and mm-hmm. wellness and like exactly. want to learn more, want to help people. Like yes. I think that that's a very, very, very common thread. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about why, even though she has a therapist is studying psychology, she has to know that this relationship is toxic, but she is still clinging on to him to help her go through this. Why do you think that is the case? I mean, I think that, Therapy is great, and I think that everybody should be in therapy because it's great. However, therapy is just, like, one piece of the puzzle. Like, you know, when <clears throat> when you look from a, like, a research-based perspective on whether the, the, the things that can uh, 
that can help somebody like, you know, overcome something or like work through a trauma or, uh, you know, navigate their own like mental health and wellness. Like there's so many other factors outside of just therapy that can play a role. Like people always talk about, you know, are, do, are there any like genetic predispositions that might influence your, your risk or your, or protective factors? Um, you know, your socioeconomic status, your, like all of these other things, but the, a huge, huge one that like, again, as much as I will like throw therapy out there, a huge thing that cannot be forgotten about is your support system. That plays such a significant role in, in like navigating mental health. So like one thing that we get is Danny just lost a significant support system. Like she lost her whole family and like is actively grieving them. And we don't really know outside of like this nameless friend on the Mm. phone. We don't know anybody else that she's connected to except for Christian who like they've been dating for almost four years. So like that's a significant person in her life. You can't like, you know, undermine that amount of time in somebody's life. Um, I don't I like we don't know any other people that have been supporting Danny in, in anything else outside of the person on the phone again, but we don't even know what their relationship is. So like I imagine that in this moment, like, you know, A, not wanting to be alone, B, just like leaning on whatever existing support you already have, which like it, it just happens to be like Christian and he happens to be like the the one person that she feels like she can at least access, um, even though she can't, she still can't fully authentically genuinely grieve because she's scared that she'll drive him away too. And it's like the one person that she feels like she has left to, to lean on. Um, so I think like knowing, like knowing that support systems are, are so important and crucial to our mental health. Um, but also like just not wanting to be alone at like the most traumatic moment of her life that's only making it harder for her to like, you know, not just like leave this dope behind. Like she's like, I I just need, I I need him. And, you know, as far as we know, he's like there for her. He's, he's answering the phone when she's calling. He's not like ignoring her calls, even though he's like totally disengaged in the phone calls when they're physically together. Like he's not empathizing with her. He's not doing, he's not offering her anything, but he is a physical presence. He is responding. Like there's something to be said for that in a time where she's just like, I need to be connected. I need to like be with somebody who's going to be there. And like for some of those moments, he's there, maybe not emotionally, but like he is physically present. Mm. Yeah. It's also, it's also interesting that like the first time she calls him at the beginning, it rings a lot, but he does pick it up. You can imagine like if he's, you can imagine him at that like pizza restaurant table being like, do I answer this? Do do I? Yeah, I'm going to answer this. Like it, it, it says a lot. Like everything is in this movie is very purposeful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And to that, why do you think, and this is just like a generalized question, but why is, do you think he's even staying in this relationship if it's, oh, am I going to answer this? Oh, it's kind of a burden. Oh, but I'll do it, it, you know, pick up to seem like the nice guy or whatever he's trying to put on. But mm-hmm. if he is not fully engaged in it, then why do you think, 
why would anybody stay in in a situation when it seems as if they do not want to be a part of that relationship? Yeah. I mean, you know, a question I could have asked myself in many past relationships as well. Get into Um, it. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think, again, it's like the, you know, maybe he's fearful of being alone. Maybe it's like, there's something there's something that he's still getting from being in a relationship. Maybe he felt like the opportunity has now passed because now Danny is grieving and like how crappy would it be for him to then break up with her while she's like actively, you know, grieving Dealing with these yeah. losses. Yeah. Um can so I just say I definitely <laughs> just to put though, no, just because in you fr- framing it in that way. How selfish for someone to, <laughs> no, seriously, to think that they are so important in this person's life that it would be awful for them to not, like, it would be another <laughs> nail in the coffin if this person sure. left that situation. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yes, yeah. this person is grieving, but they lost their immediate family. And you think mm-hmm. that you're so important that you're going to, oh, let me just put on my big girl panties and stay in this relationship with this girl that I don't want to <laughs> be with because I feel like if, if... I was the one who left her, then everything would just go to shit for her. And it's like, well, who are you? You are nobody. But anyway, keep no, going. But also, <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, he says, like, well, what if I regret it? What if I can't get her back and it's too late? Like, he has all mm. these questions coming out that, like, he's so... You know, it's interesting. He There's a, there's a, there's a huge millennial aspect to him in terms of he wants everyone to mm. like him. He wants to make sure that everybody like he doesn't ha- he doesn't like confrontation at all. Obviously, like mm, he just mm-hmm. he 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 would rather things be status quo than grow a spine and like make things happen for himself. He wants to think he wants her to break up with him so that he doesn't have to be the bad guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like totally. he want, right. he does he says like oh I don't even know them like we're not even that friends like I don't associate with them because they're not there to argue. You know what I mean? Like he can say mm-hmm. whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, he's like the opposite end of like, he's like a truly bad millennial, if that makes sense. Yes, for sure. But I will counter the piece around like sticking with the status quo, because I do think that like people are definitely paralyzed by like, you know, what if it's worse? And that's not excusing. Sure. No, 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 no. Yeah. But I think that like. I think that there is something to say for people who like do really struggle with taking certain risks. Like he, this, he's not a risk taker across the board, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's just like not engaging with anything. Like you said, he has no spine. Um, but I do think that like, you know, there are people who do really struggle with taking risks because the fear of something worse coming from taking that risk is so great that like they would rather just sit in the current state of like unpleasantness Mm. because at least then they know what to expect. Yeah. Well then to that, Jamie, tell us what would have been the better option for Christian to show his support without necessarily staying with her and then adding more kind of chaos on top of it because of all of the gaslighting and because of all of the, um, not comforting her or uh, being empathetic or listening to her? Like what would have been the better alternative for him to show support? I mean, like actually be empathetic. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> be a human. Be empathetic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, some people do like genuinely struggle with having empathy and which is like scary when you spend too much time thinking about it. Um, mm. But like it's hard sometimes for people to put themselves in other people's shoes and situations. And like if they haven't been like if he hasn't experienced that kind of loss before, it, it might he just might not have like any wherewithal to be able to like try to think about what she's going through and like be willing to sit in that with her, be willing to just like, you know, like to actually put her needs before his own. Um, like that would be a start. Uh, yes. <laughs> but like he doesn't even remember her birthday. So, right. I, I, you know, I, it's not it's not looking too good for him. Is this narcissism with his characteristics? Like if you had to place him in some form of a box as yeah. far as like was, giving him something, like what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that because I was like, is it like an ego thing? But he's not right. even like, I, he's not even acting as if his ego is like overly inflated. But yeah. I don't know. I I think that there's definitely some like narcissistic traits in there with the like I, I don't know the conversation around the the thesis and stuff and then just being like oh well we don't associate with with these people and like all of that stuff I don't know there's something there mm-hmm. and like I, he is self-absorbed but like not in a again it it it's like I feel like it's more implicit because he's just not doing anything. Mm-hmm. He's he's like so not a risk taker that he's not like letting the the narcissism act in a way. Like he's not acting overly inflated, but I think by not acting, he's still acting that way if that makes sense. Yeah. His lack of action is is still like rooted in like being self-absorbed. Right. Because he's still like making decisions that are self-serving with the thesis, for example. And like choosing not to engage in like Danny's concern around like the fiance leaving, leaving his partner behind and like going to the train station by himself. Right. Yeah. There's still things that he's doing, but it feels more like a lot of inaction Mm. choices. Um, Which speaks volumes in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like he's like not doing anything where he should be doing things. Mm -hmm. And then, but like that that's frustrating to watch him just like, not do anything. Right. Because that still displays his character and who he is as a person. Even though mm-hmm. a decision wasn't made, like that is the decision that you decided to not yeah. do anything because anything. it's still affecting the people around mm-hmm. you and only kind yeah. of servicing yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm, that's where I'm going. <laughs> that's what I'm deciding. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Brian, did you have a question? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to talk about the guilt of not doing more for your family. Like she called, Mm. she got that email. That's what she's probably, that's one of the many things she's carrying with her that she just didn't do Mm -hmm. enough to save her family. How do you ever work through that? Like how, how does it not eat at you forever? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> stumped did you just stump I mean, jamie oh my gosh yeah I, I, like there's no i mean there's definitely no good answer to that because i don't think that that's something i mean like 
that's a degree of guilt that I imagine you would carry with you forever. And especially in like the brief moment where I think she allows herself to like internalize what Christian said about his, about her sister of like, she's always like this, like, don't let her like, don't let her do this. And it's like, there's just, I think probably a moment where, I mean, she, there's nothing she really can do in that moment because she's trying to reach out to her sister and not getting a response. Cause I think it's already too late. And like, I'm trying to think of like what else she could have done, but I do think that like Christian's message to her in that moment, like probably adds fire to what she's already feeling of like not doing mm-hmm. enough because she's now like, oh yeah, like you are right. And then it's like, oh no, this terrible thing has actually taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that makes it worse. So yeah, I don't think there's like an easy, I mean like, yes, therapy is good and great and all, but like it's not magic. So I don't, right. I don't think that this is some, I mean, this is something that's going to take like a significant amount of time to work through, especially knowing that like, her sister, like, was not well. And, um, you know, like, mm-hmm. we know that her sister ha- was diagnosed with bipolar, but, like, we don't know the extent of, like, what her symptoms were and, like, how severe it was and things like that. So, you know, but I, my hope is that she can at least, like, come to understand that she, like, did every – like, she reached out. She did everything she could do. She reached out. She tried contacting her parents – she tried contacting her sister. Um, you know, like there's, there are certain things that like, we don't, like we don't have control over other people's actions. Right. Do you feel like the, um, this is going to be a weird question, but which path do you feel would be easier to walk along the path of like you were talking about coming to the realization that you did do everything and that's how you process that guilt out of you? Or kind of like a Babadook situation where you're just learning to deal with the guilt and it's always going to be there, but you now have kind of put it in a place where it's sitting with you and you can continue to walk through life with it. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah. I mean, I feel like grief is definitely more of the lather where it's like, it's something that's with you because like it, at least my philosophy of like our experiences, like we can't like they happened they're they're things that happened they are like past like our past is part of us we experienced it we can't say that it's like never gonna impact us and like doesn't mean anything because like Mm -hmm. it did it happened um I think it's more of like how do we then learn to cope and like move forward even though those things have happened to us like mm-hmm. that's, that's like the true challenge. But like, I don't think we can say that we'll never, cause like, you know, think about like grief from the perspective of like a, a, a grandparent or something. Like when, when a grandparent passes away, if you have that relation, if you have like a, a strong relationship with a grandparent, um, it's like you, you knew that like at some point, like they were going to die because like, that's the life cycle. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's anticipated in a way you're not like totally caught off guard by it. Um, because like, that's how time works. Um, 
And even let's say like it happened when you're young and then like you're older and you're like reflecting back on like past experiences, like you're not forgetting that that loss hasn't happened. It's, it Mm -hmm. might still impact you in the present. Right. But it's like, are you letting it totally like derail your entire day? Can you like no longer function thinking about like fond memories with your grandparent in the present, like today in the present. So like, that's kind of what I think about when I think of like how people navigate grief. It's like, it's not something that you're necessarily like totally forgetting about because like it happens, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can't make those, make those memories like fully vanish from our brains. Yeah. So like, how are we dealing with it? We can like, we can still honor people and like think about them fondly, even though like it's still a loss. And so I think like thinking about it in that perspective where we can, we can process like, like think about positive memories, think about like fond times, like conjure up the, the, the part of like reflection that like still feels more positively, but there's still, I think it's, it's not always going to feel like a hundred percent positive because it's Mm -hmm. still sad. That longing and that loss is still there. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes it all so complicated. So like, I don't think that, I, I think grief is something that like we carry with us and we figure out ways to like cope and deal with it. We can continue to like conjure it up in different ways. Maybe sometimes it feels compartmentalized, but like other times it might like seep out a little bit. Mm. Um, but like we we have to like do like a lot of work to figure out like how we are going to move forward despite those experiences having touched us in some ways. Yeah. Um, I gotta ask: Is Christian a top five worst partners in any horror movie? Yeah, I don't like him. I don't either. And I feel like he is on par with Micah from Paranormal Activity. But I want to say he might be a... Christian might be worse. Another one. Is it Mika or Micah? I don't remember. Mika, Micah, Mm. yeah. I don't know. (coughs) Micah. The boyfriend from Paranormal Activity. I'm trying to think about her saying it annoyed. I think it's Mika, like the singer. Oh, Mika. I don't know. Then yes. I'm just saying there's so many words that I can't say on this episode today. <laughs> it's totally fine. Uh, you know what you can say? Rotten tomatoes. And we can do that. Hey. <laughs> Baby. Good segue. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. All right, Rotten Tomatoes. Let's uh, let's guess the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score on this one. Uh, what do you think that this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Ooh, I'm gonna say eighty four. Jamie, mm, mm. I feel like I'm gonna be. I'm gonna wrong. say eighty nine. It has an eighty three on Rotten Tomatoes. <gasps> And actually, Dang. the audience score is much lower at 63%. I believe wow, that. audience. Yeah. What's happening? Um, ambitious, impressively crafted, and above all, unsettling, Midsummer further proves writer-director Ari Aster is a horror auteur to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, two things that I wanted to mention that we didn't talk about. One, this movie's really funny. Like... Yes, you have the comic relief of, like, the Will Poulter stuff, but you also have, like, when she's tripping 
during the May pole dance, and they all all of a sudden she understands Swedish. Like that's really funny. <laughs> like there's yes. that part is there's, funny. there's a lot funny in here. Um, and then uh, uh, also there's like the whole thing about like the young boy. Um, who's a product of incest, and he's the one who can write the new book and stuff like that. Um, what mm-hmm. I found interesting this time is that, like, they asked questions about incest. They're dumb Americans who are asking these, like, very rudimentary, basic, like, prejudgmental questions like that, um, which in some ways is distracting them from what's actually happening to them. Like, they are, mm-hmm. their expectations yes. are met that this small commune has, like, incest babies. You know what I mean? And so they're mm-hmm. kind of, that, that is a part of a larger blinding in terms of their narcissism, their their self-absorption, like all of that stuff. I just thought that was this time I kind of pulled that from it a little bit, um, which is super mm. interesting there. Um, yeah. Cool. Should we do the four S's? Yeah. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> all right. The four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, we're going to rank skulls, scares, and shakes one through f- ten, and then we'll do our suggestions. Uh, skulls is how it handled mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it. And then um, shakes is how much is this movie going to stay with you. Uh, Jamie, let's start with your numbers. Sure. So for skulls, I gave this an eight. Um, I feel like one of the only things that like, I don't know anybody who would do this is when Chidi sneaks in to like read and take pictures of the book. Like who would do that? Like your thesis is just like, not that it's not that important, not that big of a deal. Like the fact that they even let you in and allowed you to like be a part of this and like document it already, you are crossing a line and like that pissed me off and I just don't feel like people would do that so I minus points there (laughs) but everything else love love emotions grief empathy all in um scares I gave this a five um you know I think the first watch like the jump scares really got me the jump scares like still really freaked me out this time but overall it's just like the the sense of unease and dread that's building throughout the entire thing there's so much tension, makes me wildly uncomfortable. That is all scary to me. Um, and then for shakes, I'm giving it a nine because this movie's great. And truly the only thing that didn't stick around is clearly the upsetting parts. So otherwise, I think it's going to live in my brain forever and ever. And I welcome it. <laughs> forever and ever, you'll stay in my heart and In my brain. Uh, Nikisha. <laughs> Beautiful. Skulls giving it a nine. I think the people are absolutely peopling to the point where it is infuriating. Scares, I'm going to give this a seven because of the tension building and because of some of the jump scares and the great uh, makeup for all the gory things. And Mm. Shakes, I'm giving it a nine. I really enjoy this movie so much and I think it's so well written and acted and it's it's beautiful yeah um uh, skulls is a nine for me 
Um, I actually did believe that even though it was dumb, I did believe he would go in there just because the movie built so much of that, Mm -hmm. like competition between the two. And like, he Mm -hmm. was like, had the edge. It was still dumb and I don't necessarily a hundred percent believe it, but I think they justified it enough in the movie for me. Um, six for, um, scares. I, I don't like leg things and this is the ultimate leg thing. Um, Mm. and then, uh, this is a 10 for me. I think I might even like this more than hereditary. Um, this is like a solid mm. 10 for yeah. me. I think this is like a perfect movie, regardless of what, as I mentioned earlier, what genre you kind of like view it through. Um, and then I'll, I'll start with his suggestions. Apparently there's a 171 director's cu- minute director's cut of this. Um, with the, so there's like an extra 24 minutes in the movie. Um, that was his cut that he wanted to release. Um, and then the studio's like, maybe like do another edit of it. And we got the one we got now, which is perfect. Um, but I, I haven't seen it. I really want to watch it. So I'm going to put that on my suggested, the director's cut, the nice. 171 minute director's cut of, uh, of this bad boy. Nice. Uh, I'll go. The, my next one, I was just thinking about joining like communes and weird kind of stuff. And we've covered this on the podcast. And Jamie had so many words about it. And I love it. Uh, wrong turn. 2021. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I forgot about that movie. <laughs> but I mean, talk about joining communities and stuff sure. by force and mm-hmm. all the things. So putting mm-hmm. those two together. It's definitely a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. Mm hmm. Jamie? Um, Yeah, so I went in the uh, having difficulty processing grief direction, and my suggestion is The Invitation. Good one. Yes. Fantastical. Yeah, it is a good one. Thanks. You're welcome. Beauty. Well, I think that wraps up our episode of Midsummer. I feel like we could have did like a two part. Yeah. And just so I still want to. I still want to know what you just think. Kidding. Do you think that British couple was right or wrong to judge the people jumping? Because like they're in a mm. different culture, and yes, it's totally crazy. But it was it was totally consensual in terms of the old people like. What, that's how they wanted to go. Obviously, it's culty. And up until that point, we did not know it was nefarious, like that they were brought there for nefarious purposes. Like, this is mm-hmm. their culture. Like, would you walk into a bris and say, like, don't cut that little baby's penis tip? You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> like, do you think the British oh, couple man. was wrong to, like, judge judge that scenario in that moment? Right. Because it's it is a cultural thing, and and we don't want to, you know, it's just that so such an extreme. It feels like such an extreme example. It is because it is, <laughs> but or comparison. Uh, but I got nothing. Yeah, I I think that knowing that they were going willingly, and you can see on the surface that nothing crazy was happening. They weren't being forced or pushed off the ledge. Right then it is something that you have to sit and say this everyone is okay with this they're not asking me at the time to sacrifice myself for something this is what they are doing and i am observing their customs then hmm. yeah i think that they should not have judged should they if they wanted to leave then yes like leave like if i don't want to see a bris then i won't show up <laughs> for it you know yeah, yeah. so 
they should the 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 if nothing crazy was going to happen, like if this was not midsummer movie that we know that it is, right. they should just say they should just politely excuse themselves and say thank you for your service. I'm out. I I'm good. I'm glad that you are doing this for you, but deuces for sure. me. And and Briss is probably an extreme example because like again, there's no like the the little babies and like let's do it. You know what I mean? So like right. Yeah. Anyway. But well, still. Just, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we, <laughs> yeah, you're bringing up a whole different argument about consent. Yeah, actually. I am. So that's why we're going to pull the train to the station here. <laughs> uh, that was a bad example. You're like, I did not intend <laughs> no. for this to go. But that was a terrible <laughs> example, I analogy. How It's not a terrible example. But it's I'm extreme. just curious because this time through, I felt differently about their reaction to it than I, and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that their reaction shouldn't have been valid. It was very valid, like totally. I'm right. just I'm just asking the question mm-hmm. because that's what we do here on Talking Horror. We ask the questions. We ask the tough questions. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> let's back to you, Nikita. So yeah. great. I, I love it. <laughs> Fan of it. Great. So that ends our episode. You can follow us on all of the social medias at Talk Horror Pod on the Instagram and on the TikTok. Help us now get to 12,000. And thank you for those who have helped us get to 10K. We're putting out the content. You guys are responding. We are super grateful for that. And Brian, where can they listen to our bits and bops? They can listen to our bits and bops wherever (laughs) you get your bips and bops. Um, like uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. Thank you. Brian, send us out with a quote. Sure. I'm I'm just going to go with my favorite quote from this one, uh, which is obviously uh, both of my grandpa grandparents died from ticks. Uh, no, it's <laughs> can Christian come with me? No, the queen must ride alone. Plays Beyonce. Yeah. Queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very different direction in my head. I was like, cue this the Swedish flutes. Oh, well, also that. That's more that's more yeah. appropriate. Both both at the same time, so it's just really uncomfortable and complicated. <laughs> just the Swedish music and Beyonce, just boss energy in the yes. most chaotic Love form it. ever. I think that's mm-hmm. appropriate. <laughs> Great. Thanks for listening, guys. Right. Bye. 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 Bye.